This episode of Country Squire Radio is brought to you by Missouri Meerschaum. We thank them for supporting this show, and we thank you for supporting them. Squire Radio. I'm Bo. And I'm John David. JD! Hey, Bo. Good afternoon, man. Man, good afternoon to you too, sir. How is it going over there in Jackson, Mississippi, this <laughs> only mere days away from, or from, not away from, what am I saying? It already happened. It's in the past. The 45th anniversary has come and gone. The road to 50 is in front of us, my friend. How are you feeling? It is indeed. It is indeed, man. Great event. And we are doing really well. It's just been um, all over the map as far as insanity, busyness of it all, but things are are really good. So I'm um, just so happy to be around friends and lots of family and everything over the past week or so. And they were just having a having a really, really good time and uh, getting geared up for the fall, man. It's going to be yeah. going to be a lot of fun. That's awesome, man. You know, I, I just got back from New York myself. I, I didn't mention this last week because I didn't want to uh, give away the surprise. But my brother, my youngest brother just turned 30. My other brother decided that like he came up with this idea for us to surprise him with a surprise birthday party, which is great because uh, he hates surprises and he hates birthday parties, like specifically his <laughs> birthday. Uh, but despite hating all that, he loves us. He loves his siblings. He loves me, my brother and my sister. And, and so, you know, given that he is actually out in uh, New York City and uh, we are, uh, you know, wh- wherever else we are in D.C. and Texas and Jackson and all, all over, we thought, you know, what, it'd be this massive surprise. Uh, will spring on him and maybe this time he'll love his birthday because we'll all be there and he would not expect it. So, um, <laughs> Man, that's hilarious. You, at least, uh, you know, try to be forgiving enough to, to make you happy on his yeah. birthday instead of himself. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, anyway, yeah. So that, that's, uh, that was this last past uh, weekend. Uh, uh, always, always a blast. I love New York, man. I, I absolutely love New York. Um, it was interesting, the planning of this particular trip because, yeah, you know, with it being kind of going up for the sake of, you know, I, for a party, normally when I go to New York, I stay with my brother, right? Like, you know, that's free lodging. Well, right. I, I can't tell him I'm coming because I'm going to surprise him. <laughs> but I also don't want to spring for a hotel. So, yeah, I kind of went in blindly. Like, you know, surely I could stay at his place. But um, more, more on how that turned out next week. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay, good. <laughs> We're all waiting with anticipation in New yeah. York. Yeah, I'm sure that worked out with no flaws at all. Man, speaking of waiting with uh, with anticipation, uh, once again, the Texas Pipe Show is, is back up and coming uh, this coming October. And, uh, you know, I know that a lot of folks uh, here in, in the Texas and surrounding areas are looking forward to it. Two years ago, we, we both went. Last year, you went. This year, uh, man, try as we might, we just could not make it work out for us to, to go this year. But uh, I know it's going to be a blast. And, and uh, if you happen to be in the Texas or surrounding areas, make your plans. Be there October yep. 10th through the 12th at Pop Safari Room. You want to talk about one of the coolest pipe shops. And I mean, like... Such an amazing experience, and it's interesting because I've talked to various people in in here in the uh, in the Houston Pipe Club and uh, just kind of the pipe community as a whole. And you know, Pop Safari Room holds kind of this uh, this unique space in the. In it's the an community. interesting. Sh- it's an interesting shop. It really is. It really is. It really is. Everybody has an opinion on it, which I found really really interesting, especially like being here in Houston and talking to some other folks who, you know, were you know have have obviously gone to the Texas Pipe Show before or just been up there and. Uh, the Dallas Fort Worth area and and uh, and experienced it, but uh, man, like you want to talk about a a, a historyed uh, enthusiast and its owner and just a a really uh, unique experience. We we really highly recommend you you check it out. So again, that's Pop Safari Room October tenth through the twelfth is the Texas Pipe Show. Go have fun, and we uh, we we know you will. So yeah. 
Yeah. That, hey, uh, Bo, quick quick additional announcement. Uh, actually, the North American Society of Pipe Collectors, the NASPC, uh, is having their big uh, annual show. Of course, everyone looks forward to in Dublin, Ohio. Uh, that is August 23rd and 24th uh, this month, uh, oh, just wow. here a few days away. And so uh, Crown Plaza Hotel at uh, 600 Metro Place North in Dublin, Ohio. And so August 23rd, 5 to 10 p.m. and August 24th, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. So great show. It's one of those things that everyone always looks forward to in the pipe community. And uh, lots of vendors, different uh, smoke shops, pipe makers, uh, artisans of all kinds, accessories, all kinds of different stuff. So go meet a lot of royalty of the pipe community here in the United States. We'll, we'll always uh, show up at the NASPC. We won't be there, but we hope someone who is there will see you there. <laughs> yeah, you know, I really, I, I know this is an interesting year, as as I feel like that's been the excuse for the last couple of years, to be honest. I know, right? Yeah, look at all these interesting things we have going on. I know, what has it not right. been an interesting year? That's actually a really good point. But um, at some point, we would love to figure out a method for us to travel more. <laughs> like, aside from the yeah. fact that it'll, it gives us the excuse to see each other, uh, go on to some of these pipe shows around the country. These are the spots that people come together, that you get a chance yeah. to meet other people in the community, that you get a chance to see the artwork and the skill and the craft on full display there's really nothing like it so if you've never been to a pipe show if, if there's one in your area yeah don't don't ever hesitate make make it happen all right man we've got a we've got a great show of course we are diving into a series that is about the truest series you could expect from a show like country squire radio a pipe tobacco podcast you'd think that they would talk about pipe tobacco right well guess what today we are <laughs> today is the day <laughs> that's right man so I always love this too, because we we generally pair up Tobacco Talks and Squire Selects back to back. And I think to some extent, there's a reason for that. And that, you know, as, as you have joked in the past, Squire Select almost feels self-indulgent. Like it's yeah. us giving ourselves the excuse to jump on microphone, drink whiskey and talk about something that we love. And, and fortunately, the the gracious audience that's out there has allowed us to do this every every ten episodes or so. You know, kind of take one for us. But we almost feel like we do need to kind of like give back to that, right? Like if we're gonna be doing the kind of the Squire Select and enjoying the whiskey one week, well, we need to get back to the truest form of what a pipe tobacco podcast should be. And thus, that's right. The Tobacco Talk series exists. And this is where we come take, back home. <laughs> exactly. Various pipe tobaccos. Uh, in the past, we've done kind of, you know, looser blends or, or blends from the Country Squire along with the 10. Sometimes we do two Country Squire blends. Sometimes we do two 10s. And, uh, and today we're kind of we're kind of doubling down on the two 10s. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly right, man. I think we've got a couple of good winners for us today. One uh, is a newer tobacco. One's been on the market for a while, and both are tins that need to be at least be aware of uh, in the pipe world. I think you'll enjoy both or at least find both interesting and very high quality. So, man, yeah, today, but we're going to start out with a product from our friends at Sutliff that they debuted. Uh, I guess this was late last year they came out with this tobacco, but, man, it's got a lot of great reviews. We've been really pleased with the quality of it, the consistency of it. I mean, today we were talking about the Red Virginia Crumble Cake from Sutliff. You know, when we talk about crumble cake, this is the pipe community, and so uh, we have to spell cake a little differently. So it's uh, so it's K-A-K-E, right? Because we're going to do that. Red Virginia, it's one of those that is just a really good tobacco, uh, you know, but I think also it would be, you know, if you're someone that likes to experiment at home, you could even take this and blend it with different things to kind of create some of your own blend. So straight Virginia tobacco from Sutliff. This is a mature Virginia that's put into cakes to age. These big cakes, you know, allow uh, just a mellowing, a sweetening, a, you know, marrying up of these tobaccos, extra fermentation, and then they're sliced and then 
um, you know, put into the tin and kind of these uh, crumbly slices. Uh, and the, the, the tobacco only comes in a 1.5 ounce uh, tin. And so it's, uh, you know, just a very, you, you know, you can only get it that one way. It's not the cheapest tobacco, but uh, it's incredibly high quality. And, and, and yeah, really good. I feel like this has been in like the headlines for a bit lately. Like, yeah. Like this yeah. has kind of been a play. I mean, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but it almost seems like this has been a, a play on Sutliff of kind of stepping into a space where a need was. Yep. Yep. I think you are, are you're going in the direction that, uh, <laughs> that, that I think we're all knew you're heading in. Yeah, that, that's exactly right. So when you look at this tobacco, uh, matter of fact, uh, ten, Bo, you want to describe the uh, the tin art here. We'll open it up and then talk about the smell and the taste and all that. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. So, I mean, of course, you've got the the traditional Sutliff, I guess, coat of arms uh, logo. Yeah, but bird, uh, the Sutliff chicken. Yeah, yeah, like right, right there. <laughs> but in terms of the actual, uh, you know, the art itself, it's it's pretty basic, and I don't necessarily mean that yeah. in a negative way. I mean, we've seen this a lot especially in more classic branding in terms of like, you know, the, the baseline, just here's a, here's a color. In this case, it's yeah. black with kind of a, a goldish uh, text uh, text and the red Virginia popping out, of course, in red with red lining around the, you know, the circumference of the tent itself. It's very basic in that classic sense, despite being kind of a newer blend. Yeah. Yeah, it, it is. It, uh, you know, this is not a tin that's probably going to stand out on the shelf, right? It's not one of those that uh, you'll look at and you'll be like, oh man, I've got to buy that. Uh, this is something that you'll probably go looking for or uh, your tobacconist will have to recommend to you for it to really, uh, really pop. But, um, you know, for the for the uh, smoker that kind of knows what they're looking for, that red Virginia uh, premium pipe tobacco, that's what's going to stand out. That's really what's going to stand out. We're talking uh, a coin style tin here. It's not like the Sutliff private stock blends that are in the, um, you know, the uh, kind of a biscuit can container that we <laughs> we've talked about before, but um, you know it is in the vacuum sealed coin style tin, um, and uh, yeah, just very simple uh, product. But again, don't let that steer you clear of this particular tobacco. Um, so when I open the tin here, um, you know it, you're met with this uh, you know this white paper that we always see. We what we call it the tobacco uh, Elizabethan collar, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. um, that that always. Uh, uh, is inside these things, and so delicately open that, and there's a uh, a little black uh, paper wafer that, uh, of course, is protecting the tobacco and kind of keeping uh, keeping it all in there neatly tucked away. And then underneath that uh, is a very uh, a nice little pile of very beautiful, uh, very very uh, aromatic. And when I say aromatic, I don't mean flavored. I mean just they, it smells strong. Uh, tobacco chunks. We're talking about a cake. Uh, of tobacco that has been uh, sliced, um, and they're in these chunky, crumbly uh, strips here. And so, it, think of a think of a flake tobacco. If you haven't smoked a lot of these kind of tobaccos before, think of a flake tobacco, but but something much thicker and and chunky, and and that breaks apart very easily. This is uh, uh, you know kind of along those lines. So as soon as you open the tin of the uh, Sutliff uh, Crumble Cake Red Virginia. Um, the 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 sting on your nose of vinegar comes from across the room. It, it really does. It's it's pretty amazing. And that uh, that sting, of course, a trademark of um, you know many uh, many of those Virginia uh, blends, those matured Virginias that have been uh, you know aged for quite a while, and uh, you know a lot of care has gone into uh, to taking them. And so, of course, uh, when we think of uh, vinegary, ketchupy 
uh, Virginias, we do think of those old McClellan tobaccos. And so um, I do in some sense think that, you know, Sutliff saw a void uh, that was there and we're like, man, we're, we're going to, we're going to go after some of that and see, uh, you know, if we can kind of mimic, uh, you know, some things that they were, uh, they were producing. And, and I think has done a, done a good job. This is not a clone of a Sutliff tobacco to my mind, but it is kind of in that, uh, in that vein and that, uh, you know, direction. It comes from that, uh, maybe school of thought, uh, you know, and is obviously processed with some of the same or, or similar processes, uh, that Sutliff has tried to to recreate. So these particular chunks of tobacco, they're, uh, again, they're, um, you know, these kind of uh, bacony, uh, you know, uh, cake pieces here. They're uh, very moist. You, uh, you know, it's best, I find, when you, when you are ready to smoke it, uh, tear it, tear it apart. Uh, it crumbles very, very easily in your hand. Uh, make a little pile of it, maybe on a piece of paper or on the lid of the tin, uh, however much you, you know, think you'll smoke. And, uh, and let it sit there and just kind of breathe for a few minutes before uh, before you load your pipe with it. I think that'll help. Well, yeah. let me ask you this. Is that specifically because it's a cake or is that like unique to this specific cake? Well, I think it, it is unique to this specific cake. They are um, – other cakes, you know, you can uh, tear apart and smoke pretty easily. Although I, I will say on average most crumble cakes are going to be uh, on the moisture side. Now, plugs, that's different. A lot of times you'll see plugs that – uh, you know, where whole leaf tobacco has been pressed and cut into this perfect little brownie. Um, and, and a lot of times those are good to go as soon as you slice some uh, off the off the plug itself. But, you know, with these crumble cakes, a lot of times you do uh, have more moisture. That's kind of part of the reason you use a crumble cake is that it that takes advantage of that moisture um, and, and lets those flavors marry up really well, uh, real quickly. Uh, but you know, with this particular one, it is I think particularly moist, and so you'll want to let it sit back a, a little bit. You, you know, it, it loads very gently uh, in your pipe, and so once you do let it dry out, uh, you'll load it. Uh, you know, just kind of very, very gently crumble it apart. Uh, my experience is uh, if you crumble it apart very finely and then load your pipe up with it, uh, and then give it a really nice uh, push there at the end. You don't you don't really want to uh, tamp it down super hard throughout the pack. Just kind of load your pipe up with it. Uh, nice heaping uh, over the top of the bowl. Uh, pack or load and then and then just pack it uh, pretty firmly right there at the end. And so um, one thing about this, uh, you know, even with the drying uh, of the tobacco, this is a harder tobacco, I think, to keep lit. And so once you light it and get this tobacco going, um, you, you know, you're, you're probably going to have to baby this tobacco pretty regularly. I think that is some from the cut. It's some from the moisture content. Um, just a variety of things, but every pipe I've smoked this in, I've had a little trouble, uh, keeping it lit. But having said that, it's very much worth it, uh, worth the, uh, the tinkering. And as you get through the bowl, uh, you know, as you are, uh, smoking the tobacco kind of through the, through the bowl, uh, a lot, some of that moisture will start to bake off. You know, you'll be left with the tobacco that is easier uh, throughout the smoke to, to, to stay lit. So one thing when you do have trouble, uh, keeping a tobacco lit, you'll be tempted to really puff it uh, hard and constantly 
to um you know to keep it lit and you'll kind of i call it hot boxing your pipe you know where you're just uh right. sitting there uh freight training it right um you know i would i would try to avoid that if your pipe dies uh let it die uh just apply a very little bit of flame uh to your pipe if you're using a lighter just a little kiss of flame on the top there will reignite it and bring it right back and once you kind of fight through that first little bit of uh the this particular tobacco's desire to to want to go out, uh, it, it'll start to stabilize, I think, and it'll, um, we'll stay lit a little easier. So, um, man, such a, such a tangy, uh, tangy, delicious, uh, rich flavor. Uh, it's, it, it is vinegary. It, uh, it's not particularly complex, but, um, it does have just a incredible tanginess to it. This is not, uh, not a tobacco that your English blend purist is going to like. Uh, you know, most aromatic smokers are not going to like this. Um, but it is a it's a sweet, uh, matured uh, Virginia that's got just that real nice, um, you know, uh, twang to it. You know, that, that sweetness that only comes from just a, a little bit of that sour, uh, vinegary flavor that, that sits on your tongue. And so uh, for those of us that do miss, um, you know, some of the tobaccos from, uh, you know, yesteryear, I think you'll really enjoy this old-fashioned crumble cake. It's one that it's just a really high-quality tobacco. Yeah. All right, man. Well, yeah, no. So what would you say? I mean, like, so this is kind of whenever we do a tobacco talk, it's really, you know, about kind of your, your thoughts and, and yeah. feelings. But, you know, because of the freshness of this product on the industry, how would you classify the reception broadly beyond just your own personal take on it? Like, yeah. is this doing the job it's clearly set out to do, I guess, is kind of the question. Yeah, I, I think um, I, that's actually a great question, Bo. I think it it is. Uh, so, you know, for the most part, folks have been Virginia smokers anyway, because uh, this is not a tobacco for uh, you know folks that just occasionally dabble in Virginias. At least I don't think. I think this is for the Virginia lover. Um, you know, but I, I think reviews so far have been pretty positive about this tobacco. Um, you know, when Sutliff came out with this, I do think it was their goal to uh, mimic some of those. Uh, some of those uh, tangy McClelland uh, Virginia blends. And, um, you know, it's not a facsimile or clone of any of those uh, blends. I mean, it, 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 at least not uh, particularly in, in my mind. Uh, it's one of those that's just kind of processed in that vein, in that, uh, in that direction. And, um, and yeah, I think, it, I think it's a really tasty uh, tobacco. And, and for the most part, the market has, uh, has acknowledged that, I think. You know, is it identical to, uh, you know, the way a McClellan blend would have, uh, you know, would have looked, would have tasted, would have smelled? Um, no, I, I think this, uh, this tobacco is um, not quite as nuanced as what we saw mostly from McClellan. Certainly the, the look of the tobacco is different. It comes in a different style tin. Uh, the tobacco, uh, you know, is packaged, the, the, um, you know, the form of the tobacco and the crumble cake, that's never something you, um, you know, saw from McClelland, although, uh, Mike, you know, would make cakes out of tobacco. He would, uh, then, uh, you know, gently tear those apart to be tinned, um, you know, down the road. But, um, yeah, so, I mean, I, I think, uh, you know, I, I think there are, people realize what this is. They realize that it's good. Uh, it, it's not a um, you know exact duplication of something seen in the past. It's something that's new and and fun. But but it is uh, processed. I think in that vein, and I think people do appreciate it for that. All right, all right, right on. Well, good stuff. So so it's it's got the John David stamp of approval. 
It does have the John David stamp of approval. Yeah, the, you know it, it. It does. Yeah, the the, the good housekeeping, the Oprah uh, O on the front of the 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 crummy book that you see at Target. <laughs> I like this tobacco a lot. It's not it's not a particularly nuanced tobacco. It's not sure. super complex or anything. But if you're craving uh, just that nice uh, matured uh, tangy Virginia that has uh, you know a nice uh, sourness that touches different parts of your tongue, super natural flavor. A pleasant room note for Virginia, all that kind of stuff burns to a nice fine powder. Uh, a little hard to keep lit, but again, uh, you know, if you learn how to work it and uh, we'll kind of baby it for the first part of the bowl, uh, it'll reward you later. So, um, yeah, yeah, great tobacco. Well, that's uh, that's the Red Virginia Flake or the Crumble Cake Red Virginia, rather. What what uh, yeah. what else you got, man? I'm, I'm yeah. I'm I'm looking for something uh, for for you know two two guys like us, two friends might be able to enjoy. Oh yeah, yeah. Two friends. Well, you know, I just happen to have something on my shelf here that uh, that is actually uh, from two other friends. It's uh, two friends, Valle Crucis uh, Tobacco, and uh, man, this is a it's a tobacco that's been on the market for a while. And actually, my tin of this that I'm, I've been smoking through uh, recently was um, from 2016. This has been in my cellar for a little bit, but. Yeah, before you jump into the tobacco, you got to give the yeah. context for the two friends. Like where, where, like even that name like tells the story of how a tobacco like this comes about, right? That's exactly right. Yeah. So of course we're we're talking about uh, Craig Tarler and uh, and GL Peace. Uh, these were two uh, obviously uh, Greg Peace, a uh, good friend of our show, longtime listener, and um, you know tobacconist extraordinaire. Everybody in the market knows uh, obviously who Greg is, and he makes some of the best tobaccos out there. Uh, Craig Tarler was the owner of uh, Cornell and Deal for many many years, and is no longer with us. Uh, he passed away uh, several years ago. But uh, Craig and Greg were uh, were friends, and they wanted to collaborate on several blends. And so um, the Via Crucis was one of those blends that they uh, put their heads together on and I think made a really high-quality product out of. And so uh, you can find some of those other blends uh, out there. You know, they're still readily available. Um, you know, the, these uh, two friends' collaborations are are not particularly hot right now. And I, I think they should be revisited by people, uh, by pipe enthusiasts across the world. These are tobaccos that I think, um, you know, it would, it would behoove the pipe smoker to, you know, it, take, take a look at these two friends blends again. They're really good. And something that I think folks should, folks should really revisit. They're, they're tasty, uh, thoughtful, uh, you know, well-produced tobaccos. And, and, and I think, uh, I think all of them are good. All right, man. Good stuff. Well, yeah. so let's dive in here. Yeah, so Via Crucis, uh, we have, um, you know, again, not not one of their super hot, uh, you know, uh, varieties of the two friends tobaccos, but uh, a really good one. One of my one of my favorites, and I think something that's really uh, tasty. Bo, do you kind of want to describe the uh, the tin here? Oh man, okay, so <laughs> I feel bad about this, but like. I don't think you should. So I think if anybody sees this tin, the immediate thing that's probably going to come to mind, even for the most like tobacco enthusiast of us, it looks like asparagus. It looks like roast asparagus all lined up in a nice little row. And, uh, and honestly, it's making me hungry for asparagus. Somebody needs to sprinkle some sea salt on it. But, (laughs) but the reality is, you know, it's, it's one of those double take type moments, a darker tin. Um, it does have kind of the, the two friends and the, uh, typewriter type of font, uh, Mm -hmm. with, with, you know, um, you know, pop, popping through, but you know, underneath that in the imagery that you do see essentially what you're looking at 
and you get this on on second look. Now, for those of you who got this on first look, good for you. The rest of us saw asparagus, but but the reality <laughs> is, is what we're looking at is hanging tobacco that is essentially being either cured or dried, perhaps maybe maybe cooked, yep. but um, hanging down and and early, early, early in that that process because they are still like that nice leafy <laughs> green. Yeah, and I, I think actually what they've done is probably put a uh, a green filter over the top of this uh, particular photo. You think I, I so? Think, okay. I, I think right. so. Yeah, I think that's what they've done here. So yeah. do you and think, all right, could, from that standpoint, do you think that this was actually originally like not like, so the actual image that we see here is probably later on than the, the image that you know, what we actually get from this is implying? What do you mean? I don't, I don't I mean, think like, I follow. If we were there looking at what was being pictured, are we actually going to see more akin to what's hanging above your head right now? Like, are we actually going to see like the, the brown, crispy, dry? <laughs> I think cured? we, I think we would. Yeah, yeah. I think we would. I, I think this is a, yeah, I, I, I do. <laughs> I think, I think they've taken a filter and put this over this. And so, um, it just kind of has this, uh, funky, like you said, it, it looks like asparagus. It really does. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, you know, it kind of, which makes you think when you open the tin, is it going to have like a, like a vegetal smell? Will it, mm. You know, will it have a, uh, you know, the, the green almost evokes like a lime flavor. Will it be a lime, like a like a citrusy smell? Crucis kind of uh, in our ham-fisted English, you know, it's the crucis, citrus. Is that related? I don't know. Um, and so you, you kind of, it leaves you guessing, right, um, you know, until you uh, until you read more about the tobacco. This is a non-aromatic, but it is lightly topped. And so, uh, you know, some of our purists out there, uh, fuddy-duddies, would uh, would not smoke this because it might have a little, <laughs> a little topping on it. Um, um, but from the back of the tin, it says, uh, inspired by the peace and tranquility of a small uh, of a small Carolina's mountain community, Via Crucis blends Stove Virginia's and Orientals with rich Latakia, toasted unsweetened Cavendish, and a pinch of Perique. Finished with the top note of ginger, the whole is reminiscent of a quiet stroll through a grove of Carolina Highlands fir trees. And um, yeah, I, I think... I think that's a fun uh, representation that uh, gives you kind of the spirit of this particular, um, you know, tobacco. Viacrucis, as they mentioned, is a, a community in North Carolina. It's a Latin word for veil of the cross, which is uh, mm. kind of beautiful. Yeah, just, uh, you know, something I'm sure that was uh, is a really beautiful area. I've never been there before, but it's in that, uh, in that western part of the state. Nice tobacco. You open the tin, you're met, of course, with one of these kind of paper uh, discs, again, that uh, is covering the top of the tobacco. It says vintage blends, selected hand blended tobaccos for the discriminating smoker. And uh, once you, as soon as you open the tin, and, and definitely once you pull out the little paper uh, circle, uh, the the aroma of this tobacco, similar to the one we just reviewed, the, the Red Virginia Crumble Cake, um, it, it 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 nails you. It hits you. It it, it comes from across the room. Um, that is, similarly, actually, there is a, a vinegary. Uh, flavor or aroma to this, which is, uh, you know, for me, very pleasing for uh, folks, I think, that like um, like some of a, you know, tangy flavor in your tobacco. I think it's kind of pleasing. So, again, this is um, a, a ribbon tobacco. It's got kind of a, a brindle calico cat color. You know, you'll have some uh, darker, lighter, and all in between uh, tobaccos. Just a nice, uh, you know, uh, ribbon that, you know, uh, just a consistent ribbon, um, you know, something that's very 
uh, typical of, of most pipe tobaccos. Um, it, this is a kitchen sink tobacco, right? It, it's a tobacco mm. that um, you know. It really it, they kind of they kind of brought out all the all the different uh, stops here. You know, you've got uh, that Kiss of Perique uh, on the end, Latakia, uh, Cavendish, uh, Virginia's. Um, you know, I detect a little a little burly in there. Um, you know, I, I think it's uh, it's just got a little bit of everything. You know uh, the the Oriental tobaccos in there, um, and then this is what's fascinating too. You don't see they call it a top note of ginger. Um, you know huh. that that's something that's not very uh, common out yeah. there. You, you don't you, see folks don't using a lot like of ginger. Toasted, you know, like you don't think about like toasted or, or baked or any kind of like. When I think of ginger, I think of like like cool and fresh. You know, like yeah. those type of sensations yep. rather than something I, I would associate with pipe tobacco. Yeah, I, I think I think you're right. But I will say, you know, when you open the tin of tobacco, um, there there is almost and, and maybe maybe it's the tanginess, maybe it's the ginger, um, you know, but if you're not looking at the tobacco, you almost get the note of almost like a fresh cut melon. I don't know. It's interesting. Mm. It's not it's a different uh, kind of a different experience. There's a sweetness there. Uh, that I think is um, is is fascinating. So I have had you know ginger come through on other tobaccos before. The probably the most prominent for me personally was Haddo's Delight, uh, kind of from from Greg Peace, you know, uh, who was you know also a collaborator on this tobacco. Um, you did kind of have that um, you know gingery uh, flavor there. Uh, not sure if that's a um, you know something he was going after or not, but um, you know, but I have kind of sensed that before and. Um, yeah, it's just fascinating. The, the smell of it kind of reminds me of those, we, we call them honeydew tobaccos, the tobaccos that are, you know, Virginia Ford tobaccos, but just with a touch of sweetness added to them uh, to make them, give them kind of a fresh flavor. So um, so you really get that. And to be honest with you, I don't know if I'm, you know, in, um, kind of impressing this over, over the um, whole experience because it's being I'm being colored by what the tin looks like but the fresh smell of this tobacco uh, when you open it kind of paired with the green on the outside and the asparagus looking leaves you know it's uh, <laughs> I don't know it, it really does make kind of a nice uh, nice experience as far as um, you know just just the whole process opening the tin uh, smelling it lighting it uh, the room note on this is very good it has a nice uh, kind of semi-sweet room note when you do open this tobacco, the moisture content is basically perfect. It, it, it really is. It basically is just perfect. It's got uh, just the right amount of moisture, and it's one of those uh, things. I was able to load this in my pipe from the get-go, uh, give it a nice little charring, uh, false light, uh, tamp it down, light it again, and keep it lit for quite some time. Just, uh, just really, really nice. Uh, cool on your tongue. It does have a little bit of what looks like bright leaf in there and some orientals that, you know, may, you know, if you hot box them, kind of tear you up a little bit. But if you puff this like you should smoke a pipe, man, I think you're just going to be really impressed with the um, coolness of the of the smoke. Uh, interesting tobacco, you know, it, it, it does kind of fill a, a niche there. Complex flavors, uh, you know, lovers of uh, Latakia. Uh, and Perique and Virginia's, I think we'll all love this particular tobacco. I wouldn't necessarily call this an aromatic tobacco, although it does uh, have a little bit of that added sweetness. And so, um, you know, you can expect that. But a lot of our favorite blends out there that are regularly considered uh, non-aromatics uh, also have some of that just little kiss of topping. And and, yeah. and for this one, I think the the ginger on it is uh, is pretty pretty cool. I think it's I think it's pretty cool. 
that's awesome. Like, like, you know, when you've got such talent, like these two gentlemen behind this, this, this brand and this blend, man, you know, you know, you're going to get some innovation. And I think that's, that's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. I really, really appreciated what they did here. And really all of the two fringe blends were that way. We've talked uh, on the air before about the English chocolate and uh, great tobacco, all kinds of interesting notes there. Um, you know, I, I think these are all tobaccos that are worth uh, perusing. You know, stick them in a uh, stick them in a meerschaum, stick them in a corn cob, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, one of those pipes that uh, you'll be able to get some more subtlety of flavor out of, and really appreciate all the complexity that they've put into these blends. We well, you know the great thing is, man, with a blend like this one, and and honestly, any blend that you hear on a tobacco talk or, or beyond. Uh, you know, by, by sticking them in a meerschaum, by sticking them in a, a corncob pipe, or, or hey, how about a corncob pipe from our good friends at Missouri Meerschaum? You always get a really good quality smoke, and you're able to pick out a lot of these textures and these nuances in uh, <laughs> no other way that you can really get. You know, we've we've often talked about corncob pipes as being kind of, you know, a, a necessity to your collection uh, for the discerning pipe smoker because it does allow you to get every single aspect of these different flavors that are involved. And so, uh, Hey, this week, the episode is brought to you by the great Dane from our good friends at Missouri Meerschaum. That's right. That's right. The great Dane is a great pipe, uh, both to learn smoking a pipe, uh, on, but also, uh, you know, to have in your rotation, it's a generous size bowl. So it makes a good, uh, companion for that, you know, evening after work where you're sitting on the porch, uh, enjoying your favorite beverage and maybe, maybe smoking some two friends by a crucis or some, uh, Sutliff red Virginia, trying to taste the nuances of those flavors. And so, um, just an excellent pipe for that. That's right. So, hey, if you've got one, be sure to smoke it this week. Tweet out a photo of yourself doing so. It's a great way to let the good folks know at Missouri Meerschaum that you appreciate them for sponsoring this show. Pipe question of the week. All right, man. Pipe question of the week coming in from Barry Timmons. Uh, Barry's asking the question, how do you take care of a Meerschaum pipe? I've seen a couple that interest me, but I'm afraid to get one. Man, Meerschaum pipes can be intimidating. This is actually a really good question. Yeah, yeah, man, absolutely. Don't uh, n- number one rule, Barry. Don't be afraid. <laughs> Dive in, man. Uh, Meerschaum pipes, you know, some of the uh, more ornate ones can be a little expensive, and then of course it's a material you may not be familiar with, and they look kind of fragile. So, um, you know, how do I how do I do this? Right? Is it is it something that I'm worth, uh, you know, that I can get into and not have to worry about too much? And uh, man, yeah, Meerschaums are Meerschaums are great, um, you know, for anyone's pipe collection, and I think a real necessity as well. Uh, you know, if you want to taste uh, different types of tobacco and, and also round out your collection, try different pipes with different experiences. But anyway, having said all that, to take care of a Meerschaum pipe, uh, you'll you'll you don't want to build cake in a Meerschaum pipe. Meerschaums, uh, you know, are the the beauty of a Meerschaum is that they don't uh, over time. Uh, well, they don't require cake because the meerschaum can take uh, a lot of that heat, but also the meerschaum itself will not absorb uh, those residual flavors. And so uh, you just keep the inside of your meerschaum bowl very clean. Uh, I do that simply by just scrubbing the inside of the bowl out uh, with a pipe cleaner uh, after every after every smoke. And so uh, scrub the stem, the shank out, and then turn my pipe cleaner into a little, a little U, uh, cram it down in there and just scrub that real, real good till it starts coming out clean. And, um, you know, the look, the inside of the pipe will look dark, but if you can get as much of that char and, and cake out as you can, uh, the better. You know, there are ways, you know, some people when they smoke a meerschaum, they get hung up on the fact that they really need to keep it pristine. Um, and so if you, if you want to do that, uh, you'll want to not touch 
touch your meerschaum with your bare hands. Uh, some people uh, will just grab it by the stem. Uh, some people will go as far as to use uh, gloves or like those white cotton gloves, you know. Um, I, all my meerschaums look uh, like crap. Well, <laughs> because, they look well-loved, well well-loved. Well, I, it's because I don't do that. You know, it's one of those right. things, if I'm, I've got my grubby paws and I'm sitting there, I've been blending tobacco all day, and, um, you know, when I when I want to grab my meerschaum, I'm going to grab it, you know, and I don't, I don't really, uh, I'm not searching for my uh, white cotton, uh, you know, gloves that I, um, you know, dust with or whatever. So, um, yeah, you know, it's one of those things like, uh, you know, you don't have to uh, maintain its pristine look like that. Either way, it's going to smoke great. But if you want to, they do really age uh, well and can be beautiful. Uh, just be sure if you want the look of it to maintain, uh, to not grab it by the meerschaum, you're going to want to grab it by the stem or, um, or you know, use some kind of some kind of glove or something like that. So, um, but yeah, other than that, man, uh, use it as you would any any normal pipe. Clean it after every smoke. Um, you know, it's it's very easy. They are fragile, uh, but all that means is that you can't drop it. <laughs> and so, just don't drop it. Uh, you know, and you're and you're fine. That is why they come with the little handy cases to um, that are that are custom fit to each pipe, um, and that'll keep them keep them good and safe. That's right. Well, hey, great question, Barry. And hey, if you've got a pipe question of the week, be sure to send it in. Show at CountrySquireRadio.com. Again, that's show at CountrySquireRadio.com. Quick fire with the Squire. Quick fire question, Jones! All right, man. Quick fire questions. We got some new questions in from Pastor Joda. Oh, man. You know, there was this whole back and forth over Joda versus Yoda. It's Joda. I know I was right. I, I just want to. You were. You were right. I, I, I like taking the opportunity to point out I was right. That just, d- I d- yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm on record as saying it but again. You, you were yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I know. I just any chance. Any, you know. Uh, so Pastor Joe is right that this edition <laughs> is the eaten and drinking edition, uh, which I mean, like that's the that's our favorite. Let's be honest. That's that's. Our favorite. <laughs> All right. Are you ready? These are gonna be tough. I'll, I'll just go ahead and tell you, man. These are gonna be tough. Okay. All right. Go for it. Chicken and waffles or shrimp and grits. Ooh, oh, I know. I come know. on, man. Golly. <laughs> that's just, that's, that's me. I'm going to go with shrimp and grits. Um, man, but that's, that's hard. I mean, that, that really is like picking between your two favorite kids, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, it's interesting. It's hard to get chicken and waffles wrong. And I find that it's more challenging to get shrimp and grits right. Yeah, I agree. Because I feel like a lot of people think you can just slap some shrimp on some grits and call it a day, and that is not what shrimp and grits is. Yeah, that's that's true. They've got to have a creaminess to yes. them. They need to have like that Creole the, gravy esque like yeah. mixture. Get some sausage in there. Get have the, right, the spice. It, right, just a little bit of sauce, maybe andouille or something, and then yes, just right. the right amount of spice. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I, you know a lot of people will mix in like gouda cheese or something like that. Mm-hmm. It's a you know, those are, um, yeah, it's harder to get right. I think you're right. But, um, but doggone it. I love it. It is. I mean, when done right, absolutely. But that's, so that's the thing though. Like, like, let's say I'm at a new restaurant. I've never been at before and I see chicken and waffle and I see shrimp and grits on the menu. So which one am I going for? Well, the shrimp and grits is kind of a, you don't know if you're getting something like quality or if you don't know if you're like, they just took some instant grits and they like steamed up some frozen shrimp and they put it in front of you on a plate and called it a day. <laughs> you know, some people do that. Like some, some places do that and they should be, you know, uh, uh, ashamed. Yeah. They should be absolutely ashamed. They should be run out, run out, run out of town. Uh, chicken and waffle <laughs> though. Um, the great thing about chicken and waffle is it's really hard to get it wrong. Like if you're going to put chicken and waffle on your, on your menu, nobody has the audacity to do that and then come out with some grilled chicken. 
You know what I mean? Right. Or like some flimsy waffles. Like everybody knows how to do a chicken and waffle right. Now you can put it over the edge. Like you get a good, like spicy, sweet glaze on that chicken. <laughs> oh, come on, man. Like that, that's phenomenal. So anyway, if I'm walking into a place and I don't know much about it, then I'm probably going to err on the side of chicken and waffle. And that being said, I've had bad chicken and waffle before. It is possible. It's just rare. Right. Whereas shrimp yeah. and grits, I've, I've, there's, there's been many a time, like I, I'm, I'm the sadder, but wiser consumer because I've gotten some of those terrible, you know, Shrimp, and grits, <laughs> shrimp on grits instead of shrimp uh-huh. and grits. So, if done right, shrimp and grits. If I'm going in blind, chicken and waffle. That's okay. how I'm going to answer that. All right, that's fair. Yeah. All right. Biscuit and gravy or pig in a blanket? Biscuits and gravy. All, nine and a half times out of ten. Biscuits and gravy. Yeah. Back in the day, I was more of a biscuit and gravy fan than I am today. Um, but if we're talking pig and blanket from like Sister Schubert. <laughs> I know, right? Those Dude. are yeah, those are good. They are good. Like you know, you can eat a bunch of them, and not feel bad about it. You know, I don't know Sister Schubert personally. I have a feeling that she's no longer with us. But you, know, <laughs> you know that she's making some pig and blankets in heaven right now. Yeah, I like, agree. I that's agree. that's a that's a sister saint right there, man. Pigs. <laughs> oh my goodness. So yeah, I'm gonna go with those Sister Schubert pigs and blanket. Okay. All right, and then finally, root beer or ginger beer. Man, root beer. I, I like ginger beer on occasion, and I, I do like on occasion using ginger beer to uh, like make a craft cocktail with or something sure, like that. Yeah. But man, if I'm just drinking a, a you know a soda or a you know refreshing drink, like man, I'm a I'm a pull for root beer. I, I don't know. There's something about ginger beer by itself. Uh, it's hard for me to want regularly, but um, yeah. But on a on average, like I, I love root beer, man. I good uh, Barks root beer or you know A and W or something like that. Um, yeah, I, I love good root beer. Interesting. When's the last time that you had root beer? Uh, it's probably been, I don't know, a couple of weeks ago, something like that. Okay. All right. So you do actually drink it regularly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. do people actually drink ginger beer like straight up? Yeah, they do. It, you know, I don't think it's very, uh, super common. Um, but yeah, I think, um, I think people do. Yeah. What's the difference between ginger beer and ginger ale? Uh, that I don't know. I do know they yeah. taste different. Yeah, I yeah. feel like ginger ale is sweeter. It's fizzier, and uh, it's more of a more of a soda. Yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, I know there's a difference, I, and I know they taste it. Ginger beer is like very like it's a it, maybe one of our listeners could could let us know the difference there. Uh, but yeah, ginger beer is much more pungent. It's very much well. It's a cocktail seasoning. Like that's always the way that I've seen ginger beer, but like I'd never thought about pairing these two up. But then I realized the ginger beer and ginger ale, in terms of, you know, if if somebody was walking in and had never no context of either, they might just assume they were the same thing. But they're clearly not, and I just I don't know what the difference is. Yeah, yeah um, they sure taste different. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, I had root beer this last past weekend, or no, two weekends ago, uh, for the first time in a long time, and I was drinking. And I thought, you know, I think I think I may have aged out of ginger beer, uh, ginger ale rather. Or no, not yeah. ginger ale, root beer. I think I've been aged out of root beer. Like it just did not. I didn't enjoy didn't it. Connect like with to. you, yeah, yeah. But um, so I'm, I'm gonna go with ginger beer with the context of, you know, if we're talking like a Moscow Mule or a Dark and Stormy or a Kentucky yeah. Mule or something of that nature. Then okay, I'm, I'm there for it. Okay, but uh, yeah, great questions, Pastor Joda. Thank you so much for those. And hey, if you've got some quick fire questions, be sure to send them in. Show at countrysquareradio.com is the place to do it. And of course, quick fire questions brought to us by the amazing shirts available to you at thecountrysquireonline.com. Represent the Country Squire uh, radio well by checking out the shirts at thecountrysquireonline.com. Dot com. Your Your thoughts, thoughts, your your comments. comments. 
listener feedback. All right, man. Listener feedback coming in. First one up from Ron Seitz. Ron, uh, a Pipe Club member. Also, I just think recently, um, you know, I think two weeks ago we mentioned we had sent out all the invitations and welcome packages to our new members. Yeah, that's right. It's all. It's always great, man, because, you know, uh, I, am not on, I'm on Facebook enough to actually like be involved in our, in our group there. Like I go on Facebook to like check our, our, our club lounge and like, you know, post some things, comment some things. And, and so I'm, I'm, I'm definitely in there, but I'm not like on Facebook. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's just not, yeah. it's not my jam. Yeah. But the thing is that over time, whenever I go in there and I'm like, you know, checking up on seeing what people are talking about and that sort of deal, I, I see the member request list like build and build and build and growing build. and growing. Yeah. All these frustrating people that have been supporting us and finally well, were like, let the floodgates open the problem. <laughs> but this is the problem, man. Most, a lot of times it's like, you know, maybe 30% of the request list is actually our, our members. And then the rest of them are either amazing listeners who are incredible, but are not necessarily club members. And so of course you do have to be a club member in order to be part of the lounge, yeah. which, you know, yeah, sure. Patreon.com slash country squire radio. will uh, have all the information for you there. Uh, or yep. there's somebody that like, I think because, you know, none of us are just members of just one pipe group. You know what I mean? Like nobody is right. That person does right. not exist on the internet. D- no, does not. <laughs> and so like, you know, you're in like, you know, uh, you know, the reformed pipe smokers and, and, you know, the, the pipe memes, gentlemen's pipe smoking gentlemen, society, yeah, pipe memes, pi- exactly. you got, oh, yeah, they, one for everything. There's left-handed pipe smokers. I mean, whatever you want. <laughs> exactly. And so as the lounge kind of fills up more and more, then I think it gets recommended to other, other pipe smokers as well. Like, Oh, country squire radio, uh, pipe club lounge. Let me, let me join that. And it's like, well, you know, you, you don't, you don't just get in here. You got to have your name on the list. And uh, <laughs> unfortunately for our club members, the bouncer at the door is me. And I'm only checking that list maybe once a month, <laughs> but right, uh, right. The, the cool, <laughs> the cool byproduct of this, this is kind of a long explanation, but the cool byproduct of this is that when people do come in, it's all at once. So you're part of like an incoming group, like a, like a new freshman class, essentially. Yeah, that's right. And, yeah. And so that is kind of, kind of cool to see a, co- a cohort. Yeah. And everyone gets to know each other and it's revealed at the same time and all that. Exactly. So Ron, Ron's one of our, our, our incoming freshmen for lack of a better term. But anyway, so uh, what did Ron have to say? I would like to mention, I really like pirate history and lore. Uh, I did not realize, though, until after listening to the Pirate and Pipe Tobacco episodes that there was such a rich and deep history behind Mm. the famous pirates. Uh, Thank you for broadening the world of pirates for me to explore. Uh, I will also be getting the Sea of Thieves. uh, I will will also be getting Sea of Thieves uh, this Friday as well. And I I can't wait. (laughs) And, of course, that's from Ron. And uh, he's going to play. See if thieves uh, with all the other Squire Scallywag. That's right, man. By the way, Squire Scallywag shirt available at thecountrysquireonline.com. Yes, absolutely, <laughs> Ron. Welcome, brother. Yes, no, I, I hear you, man. I'm, I'm, uh, you know, it's, it is no secret, no, no, no in, in no form or fashion that I'm a, I'm a huge uh, a pirate nerd and um, pirate fan. Man, I've got an ever-growing book uh, collection at, at the house. It's funny because in my mind, like I, I do slowly carve away at some of these pirate novels. Some, Most of them are historic, and then there's some fiction in there. Like, for example, right now I've been uh, going through Latitudes by uh, Michael Crichton, uh, which is a, a pirate nov- novel that he wrote a couple of years back. And I've been very much enjoying that. But because I am such a slow reader, again, no, no surprise on this show, but I'm dyslexic, so yeah. it takes me longer <laughs> to read things. 
but I've been acquiring kind of a little pirate library of sorts so that, you know, many years from now when my wife and I like fully retire, like I'm, I intend to have a nice stack of pirate books and I'm, I'm, we're going to kick off like our retirement wherever we are, whatever we're doing. And I'll just be sitting somewhere uh, enjoying my pipe and, uh, and enjoying like this, this collection of pirate books that I've I've built up over the years. But, um, yeah, man, Ron, I I hope you've been enjoying the pirates and pipe tobacco. I I find this very affirming personally, because obviously that series is insanely self-indulgent, even more self-indulgent than Squire Select. Uh, and so I really do appreciate that, uh, that someone else out there is enjoying that. So, uh, rock on Ron. Thanks so much, brother. That's great. (laughs) All right. Now we got another one. This one's, uh, in reference to the uh, episode we did a while back about pipe smoking in Japan. Um, and so this is kind of interesting. This is from Badlander Outsider. What did uh, what did uh, Bo have to say? Yeah, Badlander Outsider. He says Bo. Don't call him that. <laughs> just you know. <laughs> no, you try trying to make it abbreviated, but at the same time, we don't. You know, he's not that smelly. Fair, fair at least we don't That's think not so. what I meant. But okay, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he says I might be mistaken, as it's been a while since I read up on this. But one of the reasons why Kisseru pipes uh, became ornate and involved. Uh, and involved multiple materials was that it became it became a means of displaying one's wealth in public. I forgot the precise details, but essentially the merchant class in Japan during the period from roughly 1600 to the Meiji Restoration were prohibited from certain ways of showing off wealth. For example, they weren't allowed to carry swords. So rather than put money into ornate details on the scabbard or hilt of a sword, uh, they would put the money into making their own kisseru extremely ornate and flashy to show off their wealth and prestige. And uh, that's from Badlander Outsider. Um, yeah, it made cool. We didn't realize that. And of course, that's referencing an episode we did uh, quite a while back on Japanese pipes and. Um, man, cool, cool, uh, cool thought there. Cool concept. It's good to good to know that. Um, makes sense. You think about all the very elaborate, ornate artwork uh, that comes from Japan. Uh, you know, certainly over the past several hundred years, uh, man, uh, it, you know that would make good sense. This is great feedback, and it's also a great, great opportunity just to remind everybody, like. We know what we know about what we know and the rest we really love to like highlight you guys on. So anytime that you want to add anything to a topic or correct us, call us out. That has happened many times and we, we appreciate that and welcome it. But um, no, like honestly, like it's, it's each episode we hope is the start of a conversation that continues on in pipe forums and pipe discussions and pipe clubs uh, across the world. And, you know, so we, we'd love to incorporate that. So even on like, you know, this one in particular, I love cause it's, it's an older episode, but I thought that this was really worth kind of bringing, bringing back up because it's, you know, the conversation keeps on going. And uh, I thought this was right. um, uh, some good perspective here. Yep. Well, hey man, uh, great, great stuff. Of course, uh, these episodes are always uh, fun to do and you can find the full archive of our original uh, 100 episodes available exclusively to our patrons. Uh, if you go over to patreon.com slash country squire radio, you can support the show for as little as a dollar an episode and get that full archive of podcasts available to you. Extra content, uh, great stuff. And then of course, for those of you who want to become club members as well and join our lounge online, we'd love for you to do so again, patreon.com slash country squire radio is the place to do it. You can also keep up with us throughout the week. You can follow me. I'm at the real Bo York on Twitter. I'm at John David Cole, or you can get us at the shop at at underscore Country Squire. Of course, the show's handle is at Squire Radio, and all that and more can be found at CountrySquireRadio.com. 
Well, John David, man, it's uh, all right, dude. We 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 did it. We did it. Tobacco talk, like we're supposed to. We did, to. man. <laughs> I know, like 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 we're supposed to do, right? Yeah, it was so good, man. I've still got a little uh, tuft of this uh, two friends via Crucis. I'm about to uh, about to go back up to the shop and enjoy it thoroughly uh, while I relax the rest of this afternoon. Man, that's the way to do it. All right, man. Well, hey, <laughs> let's go have a day. See you, brother. Thank you.